0: I think that's another thing is just coming in with a growth mindset when you're coming from something else from somewhere else you hopefully have the growth mindset because you don't know anything like I came in knowing nothing and admittedly so and ready to learn everything which is another way to just level up really fast because you're just so open
1: this isn't your average revenue podcast it's ashley and katrina's infinite revenue playlist powered by Comsore. And it's your new work bestie. Through conversations with other women in the revenue space, Ashley and Katrina get candid about their unique experiences, help women tackle challenges in the workplace, and uncover ways to grow as revenue pros. Maybe you'll learn a little, cry a little, laugh a little, have an epiphany, or at the very least, get a killer playlist to listen to while you work. Being a woman in this industry is wild. Let's talk about it. Hello, I'm Ashley.
2: And I'm Katrina. Welcome to another episode of Ashley and Katrina's Infinite Revenue Playlist. Today, our guest is Ashley Zaxt. I want to do a quick intro for Ashley before we get started. Ashley started her career in tech as a marketing intern in 2014. Along the way, she climbed the ranks, learned a ton, and helped build hyper-growth startups. In September of 2020, she made the switch from marketing to sales... We love to see it. When she began working at Chili Piper, where she is now thriving. (laughs) What was that? I just said she came to the dark side. (laughs) She came to the dark side. She is now thriving on the dark side as an account executive there at Chili Piper. She's also a leader of the Proud Pipers, Chili Piper's ERG for LGBTQIA plus pipers and allies. Ashley, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to quick go into one more thing and they're going to cut out my awkwardness. (laughs) Ashley is a lifelong learner who is on a constant quest for growth. When she's not working on improving her sales skills and business acumen, you can find her somewhere outdoors, snowboarding, surfing, or hiking with her wife and their dog, Kiwi. I love that. We're
3: buying really cool upcycled sweatshirts.
2: Yes. As seen
3: today. (laughs) Love it. As many of you who've listened to previous episodes know, we have a little bit of a musical twist to our podcast. It's called Ashley and Katrina's Infinite Revenue Playlist for a reason, because we have each of our guests pick their own walk-up song. Since as sellers and as people in other revenue-related roles, we are sometimes referred to as athletes or compared to them. And the walk-up song is really meant to kind of symbolize a song that either pumps you up as you walk into the sales floor or walk to work, or just something that really relates to you as a professional. So with all that in mind... Ashley, what is your walk-up song?
0: So this is really hard to pick one, but I think when you asked me and like just kind of where I was mentally, like this was the first one that popped into my head. It's Irrelevant by Pink. We can tie things to the professional part of it, but like just in general, like this was like where my mood was at, kind of is that. So yeah. Are there
3: any lyrics from the song in particular that really speak to you as to why you chose it in this
0: moment yeah i mean i'm gonna get real deep real fast so there's a whole she repeats the kids are not all right like a lot throughout this song um she wrote this song kind of in response to politicians telling her to just shut up and sing and it's like her first single in a while and it's kind of addressing a lot of the social issues that we are facing in the our country right now. Um, specifically like or one of the many that she kind of addresses is the overturning of Roe v Wade. And basically she's like, no things aren't okay. And like, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Like she she there's a line in there which talks about, I'll be your heretic, you fucking hypocrite. Basically addressing the politicians who are being super hypocritical and taking away our rights every day. So
3: Well, the crazy part is the reason why this podcast exists in the first place is because there's not a lot all right in all aspects of life, including just being a woman in the revenue space. And so this is really meant to create a safe space for any woman in revenue to kind of share their thoughts, opinions on what it's like just being a woman in revenue. And so I think that song is very applicable to our entire podcast, quite frankly. Yeah. Great.
2: Also, we... We had a session. We do a meetup together outside of this, and we had a session with a lot of women. Right, it was the same day that that decision was made, and we held space for women just to like talk about it. And it was there's a lot of vulnerability and like fear, and I think it's really important for us to. I, I think it's really cool that Pink wrote this song because it's really powerful and like encouraging song and there's anger in it and that's a good thing and i i loved seeing that that was your choice because it's definitely a hype us up kind of like i'm gonna go make some cold calls that's pretty not fun but like in the grand scheme of things as women our job as sellers is is probably one of the easier things we do at least i think so thanks for picking it you're welcome yeah
0: it's a good one if you haven't heard it go listen
3: yeah, yeah, it's an absolute banger. I was listening to it right before we hopped on this call. <laughs> nice. nice. So let's let's get right into it. Obviously, you're at Chili Piper right now, and I saw you're recently promoted. Congratulations.
1: And bought uh, a house. You.
3: And yeah. bought a house, making lots of big moves in the world. I'm jealous. I'm not there yet, but hopefully, fingers crossed one day. Give us a little, you know, we already introduced you, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, like who you are and, and what your background
0: is and how you came to the current position that you're in. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a senior account executive too now at Chili Piper and been here for almost three years. started as an SDR and this was my first sales role was at Chili Piper. I made that switch from marketing back in 2020. I basically, I was at Bravado. I helped build that community from the ground up. And my job there like basically was just to talk to salespeople all day, every day. And just kind of figure out what makes them tick, who they are, what they need, what they're looking for, how to support them. And just by way of doing that, like I started to recognize some of the stereotypes that I held about the sales profession and just completely was like, wow, this is false. You know, started to meet some really amazing people in the sales world. And there were three really distinct factors into my transition over to the sales role. One being that it just seemed like a cool challenge. Like I was like, I think I could do this. I'm very curious and intrigued to see how my marketing skills that I've developed over the past however many years can translate into a sales role. Like that was just like a unique challenge that I was interested in taking on. And then secondly, I mean, we just talked about this, but like one of our pillars at Bravado was championing diversity in sales. So I talked a lot about it. I wrote a lot about it. I created content, I created videos, I spoke at events, like I talked a lot about it and I got tired of I d- it just wasn't enough. At a certain point, I wanted to actually be about it, do something about it. I am a queer Latino woman who I don't see a lot of myself in the sales world, much less sales leadership. So I was like, let me go, let me go do this. Let me be the person that I don't see so that other folks who are in my position could maybe see this as a possible career opportunity. I mean, Ashley, you mentioned I just bought a house. I would have never been able to do that if I hadn't made this transition. Like It's incredible. And on that note, the last kind of key factor was I'm a super high achieving human. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it and I do it really well. And it's like nails on a chalkboard to me when I show up and give 150% at my job and then get my same paycheck every two weeks where somebody else might come in and do the bare minimum. And they also get the same paycheck every two weeks. Like seeing sales as this meritocracy as this opportunity to like, the more you put in, the more you get out. That was obviously also very attractive and has been paying off. So
2: it does pay off.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. High risk, high reward, right? Sales is stressful for a reason. (laughs) There's a reason why we make commission. So, From the transition from marketing to sales, I mean, we've talked about this a million times with a million different guests, but I do really believe the people that come from unique backgrounds or have different experience elsewhere tend to become the biggest, not the biggest, but the most successful of salespeople in their teams. And I'm curious if there's specific skills or aspects from your marketing career that you think really helped you succeed as a salesperson.
0: Yeah, I mean first and foremost my love for and ability to write and write creatively. Like I've never been afraid of writing my own cadences. I've never been afraid of crafting an email. And also within that asking for feedback on that work. Like mm-hmm. as a creative, as a marketer, and even prior to that I was a dancer and like we, that's a whole other life journey, but the ability to like seek feedback on your work whether it's an email that's three lines or it's an entire like 17 touch cadence or whatever like there's for me coming in I came from a place where there wasn't a fear of failure there wasn't a fear of critical feedback on something like in fact I really was looking for that when because I know that's how I get better I know that's how I improve I know that's how I'm gonna get more demos and win more opportunities right so I think coming from a creative side of things like that in and of itself was just something that kind of leveled me up pretty quickly where some folks maybe don't have that background and don't feel as comfortable writing, crafting up a new cadence. like, And they're just dependent on other people, which totally not a bad thing. And if you've got an awesome sales enablement part of your team or you've got an awesome marketing team that's helping you do this stuff, like, hell yeah, leverage that. But for me, I always... I mean, my first couple of months in as an SDR, I, I like didn't even ask my manager. I just took, I did like the 80-20 rule. you know, 20% of the folks I was putting in cadences, I put in like an experimental cadence. I was like, let me just see if something else works. Like, here's the one they gave me that said, they said like, this works. Use this, do this as you're learning this role and went figuring out your process. And I was like, okay, we will do. And I'm going to try this one over here. And they, I mean, my my manager, Matthew Roberts was like fired up. He was like, yeah, hell yeah, that's amazing. And like, sometimes they were awesome and performed real, really well. And I shared them with the rest of the team. Sometimes they were total duds and didn't get any responses. And you know, it's quick to learn, quick to grow. And I think that's another thing is just coming in with a growth mindset. When you're coming from something else, from somewhere else, you hopefully ha- have a growth mindset because you don't know anything. Like I came in knowing nothing. and admittedly so and ready to learn everything which is another way to just level up really fast because you're just so open
2: i think a lot of that probably has to do with you also having a different mindset coming from being a woman i think i we've talked to a couple well quite a few women in our communities and spaces and creativity and empathy and like the creativity you're you had that before you even walked in the door but i feel like a lot of women have the ability to build their own sequences, like you mentioned, or try something new, or get creative because it's like ingrained in us. And I'm sure that's generalization, but I feel like there's some truth to that too. So I, I think back
3: agree. to my first sales role in the tech space, because I actually started off selling this is super random, but oil to different ships in the shipping industry. And I quickly realized that was not for me. So I very quickly left and went to tech. But I started as an SDR. I, it's kind of very similar to what you were saying before, Ashley. Like your manager's like, here are the designated sequences to use in these certain scenarios. Have Adam. And I remember reading them and thinking to myself, I would never talk like this. Like this sounds <laughs> okay. so wrong coming out of my mouth. Like maybe it's just me thinking that because I'm like I would never speak or write like this. But I slowly but surely started to tweak all the sequences. I'd copy and paste them, duplicate them, change them to my own wording. Eventually, I was just on blank templates writing my own personalized emails. And that's when I really started to succeed. And it was crazy. I did the least amount of activity out of any SDR on the team, and I had by far the most opportunities booked because every single one was creative and personalized and took me a hell of a long time to write, but they worked for me. So I think writing is a really... Underrated skill that I think all salespeople should have, or at least work on, at all aspects of the
2: of the sales career. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad you're not selling oil anymore, Katrina. Yeah, you and seriously. me both. Wow.
1: <laughs> what a what yeah. a
3: shift. Yeah, what a shift. Yeah, yeah. We're that's a uh, very deep, deep in the past. You know, in the back of my mind. <laughs> so you just
2: you, you just brought, brought it right dug it up.
3: up. That's true. Hey, anyone could look at my LinkedIn and see what my uh, my work. History is. So <laughs> let us all out with it now. Well, love to hear that the career progression. One thing that I want to ask, because a lot of the people that are part of our community and listen to this podcast are people that are hoping for their own promotions. And as I mentioned earlier, you were recently promoted. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, having grit and you had that really creative background that helped you as a salesperson. But Yeah, what specific things do you think other salespeople, specifically women, can do to kind of set themselves apart, besides doing, yeah, what's asked of them and hitting quota
0: to also get a promotion eventually? This is so good. So I mean, I'm gonna be cliche at first, but I think I mean there's there's truth to it. So people say it all the time, but like the fundamentals, right? Go back to the fundamentals. So we just talked about all this creative exploration within the sales role and like that's what sort of helped level me up but also once I understood the process and once I understood my process like made my own I know what works and so yes like finding the balance between getting creative and experimenting but also knowing what works and sticking to it and doing what you know how to do at the end of the day I mean there's a million and one webinars out there about like how to convert more leads, how to generate more opportunities, how to better this, that, and the other. There are limited channels for us. We can call someone. We can email somebody. We can hit them up on social, whether that's LinkedIn or TikTok or Instagram, whatever. Right. And maybe if you're ballsy enough, you can cold FaceTime someone, but like you, like there's really limited channels. Right. So you can only do so much within that. There's a lot you can do within that, but there is only so much. So getting back to the fundamentals, understanding the balance between quality and quantity, focusing on you know, really drilling down your ICP. These are all like basic, like table stakes when it comes to sales, understanding your ICP, understanding who you're talking to, the language they use, the vernacular they use, what they care about, why they care about it, when they will care about it. That way you're prospecting into the right people at the right time. Like, these are all things you can find out. We have all this information and data at our fingertips. So that's all table six, right? Like, just do the work you know how to do. Make the call, send the emails, do the research, show up when you give demos, like give good demos, do good discovery. Now we could dive really, really deep into all of those things. But like, just in general, these are the basics of sales. What I would say, especially for women, especially for underrepresented groups in the sales industry, have a champion, have a mentor. Have folks who are going to help lift you up when you need it because this is a roller coaster role. Sometimes you're going to get the support internally. Sometimes you're not. And so having somebody, whether they're in your company, outside of your company, it doesn't matter, but having somebody who's there to help remind you that you know how to do what you know how to do. Like that has just done so much good for me and my career and so much good for me and my like mindset in this role cuz it can be tough and most folks who are in this role like to perform and so when you aren't you want to like tear it all down and start from scratch and figure out what what am i doing wrong like how do i how do i do this better what you know i must be doing something completely wrong and the, at the end of the day you're probably not you're probably doing things just fine you just need to get back to that beginner mindset back to that growth mindset do what you know how to do, stay consistent and bring that same energy to your calls. And I bring this up. I feel really passionate about this because it wasn't that long ago that I had literally the worst month of my career. So I got promoted th- three months after my like worst month ever as a seller. And in that month, if you had told me however many months later you're going to get promoted, I'd be like, all right, like, not a chance. Are you kidding me? But I had a mentor who basically Two mentors that I reached out to who I knew would like no bullshit. They would just tell me straight what's up. And they did. And it was almost maddening because I knew exactly what they were going to say because I knew, I know this inherently. But basically, they were like, you have this fear is like palpable, but your prospects and your like potential customers, they don't know where you are on the leaderboard. They don't know if you're at the top or the bottom. So just show up and do what you know how to do without caring about that. It doesn't matter. Like what matters is this conversation right here, right now, like being in that present moment. And that seems too simple, but I mean it was everything. It turned my just changing my mindset around it and getting out of this place of fear and like thinking that I was failing. And the scarcity mindset and shifting into like, no, I know I'm good at this. Look at every other month before that. Like, wait, yeah, why am I letting this one moment in time, which I'm not even going to remember in 10 years, factor into like my mood or my energy or my activities? Like, why am I letting that impact me so much? And, you know, that plus for me, I, I always feel like I need to like, Learn something more. So I like signed up for a discovery class from Chris Orlov, which again, a lot of it is a lot of the same things we hear all the time, but it's a good refresher and reminder and you know, bringing that in. Always
3: calls good too. to get refreshed on the basics.
2: Seriously. Absolutely, Yeah. How do you feel about leaderboards? Uh, <laughs> is this a loaded oh. question? <laughs> I mean, I am the queen of loaded questions.
0: <laughs> on one hand, like, i you know, not going to lie. I fucking love seeing my name at the top. Don't you we know? all? <laughs> and I and I take a screenshot and I'm like, that was April. I was at the top. Take a screenshot. That was March. I was at the top. You know, whatever. I hate seeing my name at the bottom. So what do I do to get off the bottom? You know what I mean? So like on one hand, I could see that that's motivating. On the other hand, sales really should, I hate using the word shit, but it would be awesome if sales was more of a team sport than we turn it into, right? Like, we are all trying to drive the company towards a collective goal, hopefully, right? So if my teammate, you know, if I close big number, insert big number here, and my teammate closes like insert smaller number here, it really shouldn't matter. Like we're both contributing to that top line revenue and the growth of the company. And next month, it might be flipped where my teammates at the top and I'm down at the bottom. And again, like, it's a team sport in my opinion and we should be competing with ourselves and trying to better ourselves. And we hear that all the time. That's also very cliche, but like, unfortunately, the leaderboard doesn't, doesn't help with that very much. Yeah.
2: It's I funny. Think- I, you were talking about like your mindset and how that, cause I feel like what you're saying about going to your mentors and talking to them and getting that tough love that says, okay, but you know what you're doing and you knew what they were going to say, but you needed to hear it. I feel like I personally just don't really pay attention to leaderboards anymore because my mindset is more important than being at the top. And if I'm at, if all the cards fall and I am at the top, awesome. But like, Mm -hmm. I truly need to compete against myself and do, because we don't control the outcomes in sales. We control what we put in. We control all the things that we possibly can along the way because there's lots of things we can do to make sure. But at the end of the day, someone's not going to buy something if they like, that's not up to us if they actually buy it, right? Yeah. So I personally protect my mindset by just ignoring the leaderboard until it's over, um, like the end of the quarter. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but I was just curious because your your talk track there kind of felt very much like how I feel about it. Yeah, I agree.
0: I think if you can focus on the things you can control, then like the outcomes, they aren't in your control. And looking at that and- kind of paying attention to not or leaning on that is really it can be damaging i think
2: my vp hates it it's like well how am i supposed to motivate you
3: <laughs> you say um, buy me lots of pretty flowers or something that you like insert one thing that you would like to have
0: <laughs> well and i think it's interesting like you know for example let's say you hit quota already and then but maybe you're somewhere in the middle on the leaderboard you know, unless there's some awesome accelerator that, like, if you get, you know, a certain percentage over a quota, you're going to get more money. Like, I don't know. Like, I think for me, like you said, competing with yourself and trying to get better every day and treating I, what I'm working on right now. We started this thing called the Empathy Project here at Chili Biker. And especially because of where we are right now, just in the macro climate. Folks are not. I've said this before, that like, oh, the status quo is our biggest hurdle, and that's not necessarily true anymore. It's the, like, indecision is still a big hurdle, but the the reason for the indecision is shifting. Sometimes it's just, okay, yeah, we're good with what we have, and that's actually real. But now what we're seeing a lot more of is that it's like this fear involved of making a bad decision. (laughs) And just as much as I was fearful of underperforming because the implications down the line of if I underperform again, I get on a pip. And if I underperform again, I get fired. Like That's exactly what our customers are feeling on the opposite end of the spectrum, that if they make a bad purchase decision, they could lose their job. Mm -hmm. right? And so we're not up against, oh, well, our competitor has this cool feature and we don't. Who gives a shit? We're not up against like, oh, well, we've been doing it this way for this long, so we're just going to cool, maybe. What we're really up against, and I even hate saying up against, but what they are up against is like, they know they need to make an improvement, but they also know that if this doesn't pan out, that then they don't hit their numbers and then they may lose their job, you know, whatever the, the ultimate like result is. And like, it's one thing for us to be like, yeah, but the ROI and like, we're going to help you hit the like exceed those numbers by five X and Sure, maybe, but they have to believe that and they have to trust you. And none of that happens unless you can be present with them, be empathetic with them, be human with them. And so that's really what I've been working on. Like I like to think of myself as like a really empathetic human who's conversational, can get people to trust me. But I think there was a lot of work to do there and there's still a lot of work to do there to just like break down that wall and like get on the same side of the table as them, help them buy. But it's like, it's more nuanced than that. It's deeper than that. Yeah.
3: We've talked about this a couple of times, but I think that's why community led sales is, you know, bigger than ever because it's a great way of really, really getting to know your buyers and prospects authentically long before you ask them to, you know, lay their job potentially on the line and sign the dotted line and take on your new product and, I think for companies too, a good stereotype for the salesperson is, right? Sell at all costs, right? I want to make a lot of commission. I want to be number one on the leaderboard. I want to be number one, whatever it is. And so you sell, 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 even if it's not necessarily the best customer. But really long-term, if you sell someone that's not a good customer, that really, really hurts and impacts your team, your company, and it comes full circle Mm -hmm. to you. So for a salesperson now, it's not just about making a sale at all costs. It's really like, how do I find the right buyer at the right time who I can truly solve their problems with and what better way than like actually fostering a connection, a relationship somewhere online to get to know them before they open their wallet and are ready to
2: bring on a new tool. It's also a good way to understand like all the things that you mentioned before, Ashley, about like the basics, understanding what they care about, understanding what they're actually talking about. That's what I like about community personally, like just not sell i don't sell in the communities i'm in like i'm in a lot of communities and i probably could say like hey have you considered buying seismic right like I mm-hmm. could do that but i would completely ruin my reputation my company's reputation and i wouldn't be able to see firsthand what they care about like it's more valuable to understand them mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. set a cold meeting right i totally
0: agree I'm in several communities and I have a rule for myself, including on LinkedIn. I don't pitch people unless they ask directly. That is a very, very good rule for all
3: salespeople to know entering any community. The moment you start cold pitching people, you lose that trust and people will no longer engage with you in those communities.
1: So you really have to want
3: to invest in building a relationship. And I think that's going to set apart the people that continue to succeed in sales and find a way to relate to people and the people that don't necessarily succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
0: I tried to explain that to, like I used to help with onboarding some of the new SDRs and talk about social selling with them. and That was always my like number one rule. I was like, LinkedIn can be an amazing tool. But as soon as you, we've all heard this term, pitch slap somebody, like you, ba- you do, you lose all the credibility. Don't,
3: the moment your, your you note. see that question mark in your inbox, you're like, no,
0: yeah, reject, like, oh, <laughs> cool. I mean, I do it right. Like, people will connect with me, and then the next message is like, "Hey, I've got this new thing. Are you interested?" In trying? I'm like, yeah. "What? No, I
2: thought you wanted to connect with me for real." Yep, this is no, thank you. I don't even. I actually dislike it when there's any message that comes with the connection because oh, really, that like pings into my inbox, and then I'm I'm just waiting for like the very end of it to be like. I wanna this thing that I can help them with, like if it's just mm-hmm. by like I know that that's a whole debate whether you should add a message or not, but like I personally yep. prefer to not have a message because it's not paying my inbox and making me have ten million red numbers, and then i my assumption is that if there's a message with it, they're trying to sell me something that's fair, yeah.
3: I wonder now if, the, if when I sent you a connection, if I had a little note in the I'm pretty sure we met before we connected, <laughs> so I don't think
2: that counts.
3: <laughs> so funny. Ashley Z, not Ashley C, I want to go back to something you said at the beginning of this conversation that when you started off at Bravado, you were super involved in DEI and B for sales and writing content and all that good stuff. So I want to talk about that a little bit. We know that you're very passionate about it. And we'd love to hear a little bit more of like why you feel representation matters specifically in sales.
0: Oh, yeah. Good question. Ooh. But <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, so at Abravada, like that was really surface level, because like I said, I obviously hadn't been in sales yet. And so I really what I saw is just a lack of representation, which in short, why that matters is because if you don't see people like you, somewhere you're not going to go there so like newsflash to recruiters and hiring managers and organizations that are trying to grow if you have a picture on your like about us page and it's 13 white dudes and yet you're like i want to hire people of color and i want to hire queer people and i want to hear women and you know you name it that's not attractive to us that looks like I i'm about so to hard. walk into a very toxic environment now granted i might be completely wrong That might not be the bro space that I think it is, but that's what it looks like and perception is reality. So the other thing I like say, representation matters from that perspective, right? Like if I don't see somebody like myself at your organization, I'm probably not interested. But because of a couple of reasons, right? Like it's already hard enough for women in sales and I can dive into that a little bit more. It's hard for us to to level up. Like the statistics are real, it used to be, maybe it's not anymore, but like a pretty even split at an entry-level sales job, like an SDR role. But as you level up and get higher up into leadership, it, that diminishes drastically.
3: Mm-hmm. And then let's not
0: even get started on the pay gap, right? And that happens early, right? <laughs> I already see it. So there's a lot of reasons why representation matters. And the reason why, like one of the first things I did at Tilly Piper, I was six months in to my SDR job at this company, you know, of, I think there were 70 something people at the time. I was like, you have no ERGs and you're a pretty diverse company, right? That's why I went there. Yeah. And so I started the Proud Pipers. I wanted there to be a place where, you know, folks in the LGBTQ community could come together and allies as well, like come together, share, learn, grow, ask questions, you know, just become better humans and, better coworkers and be able to support each other. And man, little did I know how much that was gonna be needed, that was in 2020. So here we are now, like there have definitely been moments where like that group has, we've been leaning on each other heavily after all these like Roe v Wade being overturned, all these anti-trans bills being drafted and, and passed and just our community being like attacked and having to go to work every day and just be like, okay, call some people right like having something internally where you can go and talk to people and know that you're not going to be judged know it's a safe space knows you're you know supported that's really important giving voices to people who are in underrepresented groups i think is a really important thing too so i like that was another reason why we started proud pipers i mentioned earlier like sales is already hard for women or for underrepresented groups for all these companies doing layoffs and and you know, it's running rampant, right, in the tech industry. There's layoffs left and right here all the time. And a lot of what I've heard is, like, these decisions are made based off performance. Okay, fair. Like, pull a spreadsheet, chop the bottom, call it fair. But then you look back at who's left, and you're like, wow, cool, there's hardly any women now. We fired all of our people of color, and... There's no indigenous people, a handful of queer people. Like, you know, okay, diversity just went out the window because shit hit the fan and we had to lay some people off. And the notion that doing it based on performance is the fairest way, I call bullshit because that is assuming that we're all starting at the same starting line, right? Yep. (laughs) Like, we're all lined up at the same start line and that person was just 400 meters ahead to like this person that's starting like a but that that's a big assumption and it's wrong because we're not I didn't realize this until I got into the sales role I had heard stories right but I didn't you know I hadn't experienced it myself and even when I first started I didn't really experience a lot of bias and so I was just like wow I must be really lucky <laughs> you know cuz I'd heard a lot of stories what had my first experience with it kind of right after I started in the AE role where I had a uh, prospect who at, at a certain point in the deal cycle just like stopped talking to me and wouldn't answer my questions wouldn't answer emails whatever and and then for some reason something happened and he ended up booking a meeting with my male colleague and in that call it was like less than 30 minutes in that call he was like yeah send me a contract like what? ready to do business what? ready to sign a deal and I was like, "Oh, well, all right." And my my colleague was like, "No, no, no I was just filling in for Ashley. Like, yeah, Ashley he, Like, he wants to close the deal." I'm like, "Great." And then again, it's like radio silence. He like literally wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't do business with me. And I was really confused. And I reached out to a person at the company who had recently left the company, who happened to be a woman. And I was like, "Hey, but I might be just making shit up here, but like, this is happening, and I'm really confused." And she was like well, actually, that tracks. Like, that's why I left the company. This person is pretty sexist and it's hard to do business with And I was like, cool. Didn't realize that would be so blatant. Yeah. So that happened, right? Ended up closing the business. I was like, at one point, I was like, maybe I just give it up and like, don't, like give it to somebody else and don't deal with it. But the fighter in me was like, no, the best way to fight this is to like, I'm, I'm take your money. I'm, I'm going to get paid by you. And so I did. And so that's something that we have to deal with, yep. that my male c- counterparts don't have to deal with. So when you want to break this down to performance, they don't have to worry about getting on calls and basically then being ignored and circumvented in, in the deal cycle, right? Other things that happen on the daily are... And this is not this isn't just like me speaking for personally, but I mean it has happened to me personally, but like in general, men get credit for things women do. And why that matters is because when you talk about getting promoted and you've got your internal champion who's looking at like, here's on top of succeeding in your numbers, like what are all the other things that you're doing, right? That matters. And so when somebody in your organization gets publicly recognized for something outside of just the table stakes sales numbers right and it's something that a woman did but they get credit for it that's a big deal and again that plays into this uneven playing field like we're not even at the same starting line this person is a mile ahead of me so we're having to run faster harder longer just to catch up to them to be like at the same point as them and then hopefully we keep getting promoted. Hopefully we keep succeeding. But like, it's, yeah, this whole notion of performance-based judgments when it comes to that is, like I said, I just call bullshit. (laughs) So for the meetup that Ashley
3: and I host every month, sometimes when we get on as the icebreaker while we're waiting for people to join, we'll say, hey, share an accomplishment of yours from this week or today or this month. And typically it'll be about, 30 seconds of silence. Everyone sits there Mm kind of looking at each other like, does anyone have anything to say? And then someone always breaks the ice. Is like, I just closed a deal or I just booked 10 opportunities or I hit quota. And everyone's so hesitant at first to share their accomplishments versus when I'm on a team meeting with my mostly male peers at ComSor, which they're all fantastic by the way, but the fact of the matter is they are mostly men on the team they don't hesitate to share any of their accomplishments. And when I look at kind of like the juxtaposition of the two, it just baffles me because I'm like, Mm -hmm. here are all these amazing, capable, successful women that all have something to boast and brag about. And they're so scared to bring it up versus all of my coworkers who again, are amazing in their own right, but they don't even hesitate. They're like, I did this, I accomplished this. There's no hesitation in sharing
2: their accomplishments. We're told bragging is not ladylike, I think, early. And so yeah. we're afraid to speak up and yeah, say, I did fair. this really cool thing. And it's a shame.
0: I saw a comic the other day. It was like two people at computer screens. It's hand-drawn. One person in the bubble is like, what's the difference between assertive and aggressive? The other person says, your gender. Oh, my God. ain't that the truth though (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep and you're right ashley like we're told to be small to be quiet to be less than like because that's acceptable or or whatever i'm like i i just
2: can't i don't like no thank you nope no thank you we're really close to time and i want to make sure we have enough time to do our fun part which is, yes. I don't know if we even briefed you on this, but we typically do oh, uh, a yeah. like super fast round of would you rathers? like oh, five questions. But Excellent. first first to wrap it up, because we yes, did I just go very deeply into, you know, the, <laughs> the intricacies
3: of being a woman in revenue. If you could leave our listeners with kind of one piece of advice or one final thought, just as a woman in revenue, I'm curious to hear what that would be.
0: Keep going, keep doing what you know how to do find your tribe, reach out to other women, other people in sales that you vibe with and keep going cuz we need you and we need and like future generations need you and that sounds super like I don't know heady but like like Ashley mentioned earlier, I just bought a house. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that was possible. My mom was a single mom, two girls. Like I was the first person in my family to graduate from college, like even then didn't think I would be making this kind of money. So like this could be life-changing for people. And I'm so grateful that I was exposed to amazing people in this industry so that I was like intrigued by it and wanted to, to kind of make that leap. And so we need more of that. We need more people who are doing this amazing work and like, who look like you, right? Cause like we just talked about representation matters. And if it's a bunch of, White dudes who graduated from Stanford and you know, we're, like, go get it. You guys are awesome and there needs to be diversity. Our buyers are diverse. I don't sell to just old white dudes who went to Stanford, right? Like I sell to everybody and their mom. So why would the sales team not try to mimic the buyer pool? just make sense. So, that's my advice. Keep doing it.
3: Love it. I love it and I agree with all of that. So as Ashley said, we wrap up every episode with a round of revenue-themed would-you-rather questions. They're kind of rapid fire, so don't feel like you need to explain your answer. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and read them, and we'll we'll see what you have to say. Okay. First question. Would you rather work with a product that you're very passionate about, but it's very difficult to sell, or a product that you're less interested in, but it's super easy to sell?
0: I got to go with the products I'm passionate about. I can always figure out how to sell. Yeah,
3: I agree. Would you rather sell 50 smaller deals to hit quota or would you rather sell two really big deals to hit quota? Two really big deals. I always feel like they're a little more satisfying in my opinion. They'll typically take a long time, but worth it. Yeah, it's worth it, yeah. Would you rather work for a company that has a culture of mentorship and career development or a company that values individual performance and achievement?
0: Mentorship and career development, hands down.
3: That was a layup. (laughs) Yeah. These next few might be a little more personalized to you. Would you rather have to give a five-hour talk on pipeline management and leaderboards or receive a 1,000 unsubscribes to your emails in one week? Oh, brutal. (laughs) We had to mix it up a little bit.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'd give the five hour talk. I feel like I could talk for that.
3: <laughs> hey, I think you're full yeah. of knowledge. I think you'd be great at giving a five hour talk.
0: <laughs> I'm full of something. I don't
2: know.
3: <laughs> and last but not least, would you rather have to include a unique pun or joke about ballet and all of your cold outreach? Or would you rather have to send a picture of yourself snowboarding to every person who doesn't answer a cold call of yours?
0: Oh my gosh, how funny. Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> Love that.
3: That's a first for us. We'll let you pick both. yeah? We'll break the rules a little bit.
2: Both is perfect. (laughs) I love it.
0: Well,
3: Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. Yes. And we really appreciate you talking about diversity and representation because obviously it's incredibly important and I think a lot of teams need to work on that very much. So it is a topic that we're really excited to chat about with you. Again, congrats on both the house and the promotion.
2: And Ashley, I'll let you, Ashley C, I'll let you wrap up. (laughs) Yes. So the entire purpose of the podcast is to elevate the voices of women in revenue. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. I think it will be very valuable for people who are wanting to get promoted because, spoiler, we all are. And it's important to talk about having safe spaces for underrepresented groups in tech, sales specifically, but also just in tech. Thank you, Ashley. And for those listening, you can follow Ashley Z on LinkedIn for incredible sales content. And if you'd like to listen to Ashley's walk-up song, Irrelevant, did I say that right? By Pink, as well as the walk-up songs of other guests, you can find our playlist on Spotify by searching for Ashley and Katrina's Infinite Revenue Playlist. See you next time and keep at it, like Ashley said. Keep at
1: it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ashley and Katrina's Infinite Revenue Playlist. This show is powered by ComSor, the go-to-network company. ComSor is the complete suite of tools for teams looking to grow, activate, and engage their networks. If you enjoyed the learnings and banter in this episode, there's more where this came from. Follow Ashley and Katrina's Infinite Revenue Playlist wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. See you next time.